Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Christ, given as a little baby that day, and yet representing so much more to us. I thank you for it all. Lord, we do adore you, Christ the Lord. And I pray that every heart this morning would be bowed to you, to receive from you. Lord, willing to give you the heart, but in return to receive your thoughts and your mind and your wisdom and understanding and grace. Lord, be at work within us this morning. Amen. We're going to read a gospel passage, a Christmas passage, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Christmas is most known by children for gifts. <laughs> And here we've got this great story of the Magi bringing gifts. These guys, you know, we often think there's three. There could have been a heap of them. We don't know how many, but there were three gifts. <laughs> and they came from the east, the land of the east. So maybe Arabia or Yemen or India. We don't know where. Somewhere to the east, they came with these gifts. And uh, they put a lot of thought into their gifts. They were people that somehow knew that something was going on, a king had been born. They had discerned that. I'm sure they discerned it because the Lord allowed them to discern it. Because typically Magi were not Christian people as such. They were people who looked at the stars and you know, they were astrologers. You know, they weren't biblical the way we would think of biblical. But somehow the Lord caused them to understand that a king was born. And then they thought, what will we do for this king? And then they put together gifts and made the effort to go and see that king. It's remarkable. I think it's amazing. I wish we had a bit more information. And, uh, but we don't. And um, Christmas is about gift giving in lots of ways. And there's this great story here of the Magi bringing gifts. 
And of course, we've got the story of St. Nicholas, which is morphed into Santa Claus, but we, let's go back to the original version. Here we've got a Christian man, a bishop, who gave gifts and was known for his generosity. He knew the story of these, this family with uh, a man who was, he had, his wife had died and he had these three daughters and he was poor and, and they needed money for, or tragedy was going to strike the family. I think they were going to be sold into slavery or something terrible was going to happen. He snuck into their home one night and put coins into their stockings that were hanging up on the, wind, on the fireplace to dry, which is where we get the whole stocking thing with Santa Claus from. True story. A man thought about the needs of people. He was a man of generosity and a man of means. Uh, he was a wealthy bishop, so a lot of early Christians were not wealthy, but this particular man was, and he gave with thought to a need that he knew about. So we've got gift-giving wherever you look at it, but of course the biggest gift of all which we often don't think of, is the gift of Christ to us. God, the original giver, taking time to think about the needs of humanity. You know, I, over the course of my life, I've done things where you put a big effort into something and then it fails horribly and then you say, oh well, and you move on to something else. You know, make a big, beautiful sandcastle at the beach and next thing you look up just in time to see a kid flying through the air to jump on top of it. Well, just give up on the sandcastle. But you know the Lord? He created people. He loved them. Things went wrong. Didn't give up. No, he put thought and effort into what am I going to do to restore this, to fix it? He put thought into each and every person, every one of you, who you were, what you needed. You needed a saviour. He gave you a saviour. And then the Holy Spirit who walks with you to meet every one of your needs. All of these thoughts come out of Christmas. You know, the original wonderful gift of God, but thought about. You were thought about. And then, of course, the, the wise men who thought about their gifts. And, of course, St. Nicholas thought about the gifts he gave. And then, hopefully, you and I also think about gifts when we give them. Um, over the history of humanity, there's been some people who've put a great deal of thought into gift giving. I don't have a history of particularly being that thoughtful with gift giving, but I'm trying to do better. But there's some people who've really put thoughts into their gifts. And I'd like to put up this photo here of this gentleman. His name, what was his name? I had it written down here somewhere. His name was Morton Plank. Do we have a photo of the gift that he gave? Hopefully the people up the back have, are organised. Give them five seconds. We might just move on. So Morton Plank gave a gift to his wife, which was an apartment complex in New York, a big apartment complex, and he had the entire thing gift-wrapped. I have a photo of the, the gift-wrapping of this multi-storing apartment with a giant ribbon. Imagine the thought and the effort that went into that, and the huge ribbon that had to go onto this entire building complex. There it is. I think that's amazing that someone put all the time and the thought and the evidence of doing that. And um, just unbelievable. That was Morton Plank, and that was back in about 1910 or something. But there's a, and over the, you know, when you Google gifts that have been given with thought, there are a lot of interesting examples that come up. The next one is, is way more thoughtful than this one. And this, you might have heard of the Taj Mahal in India. This guy spent 
Um, so many years building this thing for his wife. 20,000 artisans and laborers put years into this thing. And they say, I've never been there, I'd like to go to see it, but they say when you see it in person, it just blows your brains out. Well, that was a gift with thought. And, um, well, have you put that much thought into any of your gifts? <laughs> Usually, the level of my thought is, quick, whip out to Woolies and buy a, a $50 <laughs> visa. Uh, there, that'll do. You've been thought about. <laughs> and you know what? They have been thought about, but some people really think about things. And I'd like to say the, that the Lord, when, when he gave you his son, he thought about you. Look, he thought about you to the infinite degree. There's scriptures in the Bible that say that your name's written on his hand. You know, tattooed onto his hand, it says in some versions. Um, you know, you have millions of thoughts, but the Lord knows every one. He knows when you rise and when you sit down. He knows, you know, how many hairs are on your head. I mean, talk about thought. The Lord put thought into the gift that he has given you, the gift of salvation. The Magi put thought into the gifts that they brought to Christ. Gold. A gift fitting for a king. They thought that this is a king that's been born. What gifts do you give to a king? And um, now you might not have the money that the, the Magi had. You might not have the money that the guy had that built the Taj Mahal. But you have a brain. So you can think. And within your means you can think about the gifts that you're going to give. And this morning in particular, I want to talk about the gift that you will give to the Lord. Not too many think about the idea of giving the Lord a gift. But we have this great example in the Bible, and we're going to go to it and read for it in just a second, of there's one person in the Bible that did think like this. There's probably more, but at least there's one that I was aware of. And this person in the Bible... He thought, the Lord has done a lot for me. In fact, he wrote one of the Psalms. And let's read Psalm 18, verse 1. And it's a short little verse. <laughs> it says, I love you, Lord, my strength. But let me read the preamble. You know how some of the Psalms have a preamble? A psalm written at the time of this or whatever. This is the preamble. For the director of music, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, I love you, Lord. Then the psalm goes on to, to say lots of other wonderful things. So this guy, David, he thought, the Lord has done a lot for me. And then he started thinking to himself, what can I do for the Lord? Now, you don't meet too many people like this. You meet a lot of people that go to church, and that's it. They don't even read their Bible often. They don't even pray often. They kind of think in the back of their mind, I wish I would, but they don't. But now here we've got a person that said, the Lord has done a lot for me. What can I do for the Lord? And he thought about it, and then he did it. Do you know what he did? Do you know what David did for the Lord? He spent a great deal of time thinking about what would please the Lord, what can I do for him, and he came up with an idea. And we find that idea in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 
And I'm just going to read the first three verses. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Now, we, the rest of the chapter, Nathan goes away and thinks that night and realises, no, the Lord doesn't want David to actually build the temple, but it was the thought that counted. Nathan comes back to David the next morning and says, don't build the temple. The Lord has said, you're not the one to do it. Your son's going to do it. But nowhere in the Bible up to this point was there any hint of a temple. Now, there's the tabernacle. That's a kind of a hint of a temple. But God never said to anyone, I want you to build me a temple. That was never anywhere. David thought that up. Now, I think maybe the Holy Spirit put the idea in his brain. You know, the Lord wasn't... The Lord was involved in the process, but David took the time to say, what can I do for the Lord? And he, you know, I don't know how it happened exactly, but I imagine in my mind, he's walking out, you know, I'm making up something here. He's walking out in Jerusalem one night and he's looking over the city and he sees down there the little tent. And it's a stormy night and it's lightning and I'm just imagining, you know, and David thinks, I'm going back into my house right now, but there's the Lord's... Ark of the Covenant, just in a tent, in the storm. And he thinks, you know what? I've got to build a house for the Lord. I don't know. That, it probably didn't happen like that. But I'm just imagining that David thought, you know, I've got to do that for the Lord. So he came up with an idea because he loved the Lord. Not too many people do that type of thing. Christmas time especially, I think everyone's thinking of what they can do. For, they make lists. Mum and dad brother and sister, uncle and aunt, the list, you know, tick, 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 tick. <gasps> Forgot someone. Quick race out to Kmart. Get him a camp chair. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, ah, uh, done. List ticked. But no, the Lord wasn't on the list. But Christmas is all about the gift he gave you. And what I'm saying to you this morning is let's think about the Lord. Let's put him on our Christmas list. Let's just not give him any old thing. Let's put thought into what can you give to the Lord. I think it's a really, really inspiring idea, actually. Now, sometimes I have these ideas of what I can give to my wife for Christmas. I think, oh, I'll get her this. It's happened a few times where I've given her the gift and she didn't want it. <laughs> she didn't say that, but it just... You know, in the course of time, you realised if I had only asked her in advance, what do you want? <laughs> I, she would not have said that. And uh, it's just my mind all getting excited about something. Well, you know what? David didn't do that either. David didn't just decide what the Lord was going to have. He actually said to Nathan, here I am living in a palace. He actually said to the Lord... I'd like to do this for you. Would that be a blessing to you? So he not only put thought into it, but he ran it by the Lord as well. <laughs> and then, you know, the Lord adjusted it. But you know what David ended up doing? The Lord did say to David, I don't want you to build this temple. Your son's going to build it. But then David set about giving everything to his son so that his son could do it. 
So he didn't only just put thought into it. He didn't only take the time to bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, would this bless you? And then adjust it according to the Lord's desires. But then he set about putting that thing in place as much as was possible for him while still honouring the Lord. So he started gathering you know, gold for that temple. He started gathering the timber for that temple. He had the plans drawn up for that temple. If you, re- if you watch my Chronicles videos, the effort that David went into in organising that temple, he organised a roster of worshippers, three shifts of, of musicians, He had the whole worship system organised. He devised a system of priests that would come in two-week lots from all over Israel. The temple wasn't even built yet. He had the entire thing organised from top to bottom and all the resources ready to build. All Solomon had to do was become king and say, start building. The thing was planned. So yeah, we call it the Temple of Solomon, but it's 99% the Temple of David because he basically made the thing happen. Talk about the idea of a gift for the Lord. Here's a man who, and by the way, there's only two people in the Bible who said, I love you, Lord. Now, last week I said I thought there was only one. There's two. But there's only one who said it to the Lord of their own initiative, and it's David. The other one, we'll get to him in a minute. And um, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Do you ever tell him? Do you know that loving the Lord is the greatest of all the commandments? It's the thing we're to do above any other thing. If if the first commandment was, the Lord said, go to church every Sunday, if that was the first commandment, it'd be really easy. But God didn't say that, although, do do that. If one of the commandments was, read your Bible every day, read a chapter of your Bible every day, It'd be easy. That even be unbelievers would do that. There are actually unbelievers who read a chapter of their Bible every day. Do do that, or read more than a chapter. No, the Lord said the first commandment was love the Lord your God. Well, how exactly will you do that? Is love just a good feeling? Um, when you get married, you know you you go through a journey of trying to learn to love someone. And there are easy times and there are difficult times, but it requires thought. And I do put thought into the question, how can I love my wife? What can I do for her? Sometimes I succeed and sometimes I succeed, well, I succeed in various levels, but you put thought into it and you try. Do you do that for the Lord? Do you say, how can I love the Lord? What can I do for him? What would make him feel happy? In the New Testament, Paul says, find out what pleases the Lord. Have you done that? Have you found out what pleases him? So, not all of us can build the Lord a temple. (laughs) That was what David, he didn't do the actual building, but he put that thing in place. Not all of us can do that. Not all of us are in a position where we don't have the millions of dollars to do a grand, grand thing like that, like build a cathedral or whatever. And, um, but you've got the brain, like a brain, like I said before, and you've got a heart, and you've got the ability to say, how can I love the Lord? 
And then, I'm sure he'll help you with having a good thought, like no doubt he helped David have that thought. And then you can say to the Lord, I want to do this for you. And the Lord can adjust it. And then you can set about putting it in place. And you know, the, the weakest Christian, or the newest Christian, or the poorest Christian can do this. You may be someone with not a dollar to your name. Or you may be someone with not a, a spare hour of time in the week because you're working three jobs to provide for your family. You know there are people in the New Testament who were slaves. They didn't have a minute spare to themselves. And yet, even the slave has a way of, of giving a gift of love to the Lord. Even if the only thing they've got left is their mind, that while they're working with their hands and their body, their mind is free to be given to the Lord in prayer. Every person, no matter who you are or your life's circumstances, can think and the Lord will give you a way of showing him love. That's your Christmas gift. Now some gifts may be a one-off thing because it's this Christmas and next year you might think of giving him another one. But David's gift to the Lord was a big one, kind of a, a gift that was an all-of-life gift. And... Um, I feel like I'm giving the Lord an all-of-life gift because when I've thought in my life, how can I please the Lord, the thing that gives me the greatest joy in giving to him is being at work to help build the body of Christ in our city. I think to myself, you know what the Lord would love? He would love to see the churches working together, appreciating each other, I heard years ago a story of um, one of the French kings, King Louis, someone. There's lots of Louis and they all merge into each other. But he had a son who was a ratbag, an absolute ratbag. Now, I suspect he probably was rebellious because he didn't get any attention from his dad and his mum, is the way that sometimes royal families work. But this king hired a priest by the name of Fenelon to come and be a tutor for his son. And that priest turned that boy's life around. That boy became a great man. Now, I wish I'd remembered the names of the, which Louis it was and all of that, I've forgotten. Do you think the king appreciated it or not? <laughs> you bet. And I know that the Lord appreciates it when his people love one another. Well, I think there's no greater gift that I can give to the Lord by helping the pastors in this city come to love one another. So that's something I want to do. And I feel like that's a gift. And when I visit pastors in the city, I do it because I love the Lord. I'm not getting anything out of it. I could just focus on this church only. But no, I think we got a Lord. And this would please him. And he'd be so happy. And, uh, well, that's something I want to do for him. And uh, John the Baptist said something like that. He said something about he was the friend of the bridegroom and he said it was his joy to you know introduce the bride to the bridegroom well you know there's a there's a man who was giving a gift to god well we all in the area that we are in life have the ability to give a gift to god it's not going to be the same thing for everybody but you should we can't be takers only of all the... We can't receive all the Lord's goodness 
and feel good about it and think that good feeling is love to God. No, love to God's got to be more than just feeling good about all that he's done for you. So, what will you give to the Lord? How will you show him love? Well, there's lots of ways. I'm going to read to you one little passage in the Bible, and this is the other person in the Bible that told the Lord he loved him. Although it was not something he came out straight off of his own initiative and said, it was a response to something that God said to him first. But in his response, in that story is a clue of something you could do for the Lord. If you don't have any ideas, <laughs> here's a clue. It maybe get you thinking. So this is the story of Peter on the beach with the fish. And uh, when they had finished eating, this is John chapter 21, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three, three questions, do you love me? I think we did, I might have missed a verse there. Three answers, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus' response, feed my sheep. If you love me, he's saying to, to Peter, here's something you can do for me. <laughs> you can look after my sheep. And Peter did that. Peter gave his life to looking after the Lord's sheep, which is people. So the Lord is loved in lots of ways. And one of the ways you can love the Lord is by helping him with other people. If you're stuck for clues, there's a big one right there. When you do something, like that guy, Fenelon, looked after the king's son, when you do something for one of the Lord's children, the Lord feels loved. So what will you give him? You could give him some time. You could say, Lord, I'm going to give you time. I'm going to sit with you. I'm not going to tell you what I want. I'm just going to sit here and you can talk to me. That's called a listening prayer. Listening prayer is a great way of showing the Lord love. You could take some time to be prayerful. Prayerful, you know, we often pray for our own needs, but take some time to pray for the needs of others. The Lord will feel loved. These are things I think as Christians we should do all the time, as regular ongoing practices. But is there something you can give to the Lord that's like a one-off? Lord, here's a thing, I want to do it for you. Merry Christmas. I'm giving you a job this week. Your job is to sit with the Lord, and I think especially do it today. Do it as, do it, do it as quick as possible. You've sat down, some of you have sat down with pieces of paper and lists, and you've written down every person you're going to give a gift for. Some of you have had conversations, husbands and wives, what are we going to give to this child for, for Christmas? You know, oh, they like this, they like that. You've talked about it, you've come up with an idea. Sit down, think about the Lord in just the same way. What can I give to the Lord because I love him? Imagine that, a church here of 120, 150 people, everyone giving the Lord a gift. 
because of what he's done for you. I'm going to invite the band to come back. So that's your Christmas task. Your Christmas task is to think, and then your Christmas task is to give. <laughs> give with joy. Give with gratitude. He's your saviour. He's your Lord. And he's the only one that doesn't grumble and complain. Well, there's probably a few that don't grumble and complain if he doesn't get a gift. I don't grumble and complain if I don't get gifts. But, yeah, most people, I've learned that, that skill over the years. But people don't like to not give me gifts, so that doesn't ever happen. But the Lord doesn't complain. He doesn't grumble. He's not selfish. Well, that makes him an even better candidate for a gift. <laughs> Bless his socks off, because he deserves it. Are you going to do that for me? Are you going to take time to think about the Lord? I'm not going to ask you to promise. Promises can get broken, but I want that heart to be there. Say, yeah, Lord, I love you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, there is no God like you. There is no God at all other than you. But Lord, amongst the things that people give their lives to, there's none like you. You alone are worthy of our worship. You alone are worthy of our praise. And you are worthy of the best gifts. Lord, forgive us. So often we've just enjoyed the receiving and have not done any giving. Thank you, Lord, for the example of David in Scripture who, who asked that question, what can I give to the Lord for all he has done for me? I pray, Lord, that every heart here today be moved, every heart online moved with appreciation and gratitude towards their Lord, their King. And Father, as thoughts turn to you, I pray that you would put in every mind and every heart the gift that you would like from them. Lord, I pray that in giving to you, that the faith of every person here would be strengthened. Lord, the life that we have with God, the, the walk we have with the Holy Spirit, the fellowship we have with each other would be increased. Let grace be given to your people today and in the days ahead that we might truly be Christian people, people with a word, people with a promise, people with the light of Christ inside, people with the glory in. Lord, we may be frail and human, but let the glory of Christ dwell inside. Father, in the same way that that temple was, a, was a, Lord, a sign in the earth of your glory, I pray that our lives would be a sign in the earth of your glory. Father, lift your name up. And uh, Lord, I pray you would have what you have determined to have from us, the people of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.